Hi, and welcome back to a Love Letter to Black Women podcast. Uh, I'm the host, Nicole, and I am finally back. Um, You know, this is a lot harder than I think people perceive it to be. Content creation is not for everybody. Um, I am drawn to do this, and so I am committed to doing this, but man, I... Um, would be straight up lying if I said that this was easy and, you know, something that just came, you know, just naturally and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I have ideas, I have things I want to talk about, but man, actually sitting down and recording is just very tough. Um, So struggling through that, but I'm finally back with another episode. Um, The topic today is a little on the heavier side. I've been really thinking about some issues um, that black women face. And I just really want to kind of explore some of the deeper issues that our community faces. And so I wanted to get into um, talking about colorism. And... Uh, part of that is because some of the uh, content that I've been consuming lately has been sort of, you know, centered around um, beauty and beauty ideals and standards. Um, specifically, the topic of pretty privilege has been uh, circulating quite a bit, um, particularly on, on YouTube, but in other places as well. And I just find the topic interesting, um, but also I find it kind of an offshoot of the, you know, this pervasive issue of colorism. And so I wanted to get into that a little bit and just share some of my thoughts and experiences um, with colorism. So full disclosure, I am a light-skinned Black woman, okay? And so... That is something that I want to make clear that, you know, I am not here to speak on colorism from the perspective and the experience of dark skinned black women, because I cannot do that. I don't have the right to do that. Um, But um, I do, you know, want to talk about my experience just in terms of like how I grew up and my perception of things um, as I was growing up. Specifically related to um, the fact that I come from a dark-skinned black woman. So my mother is a dark-skinned black woman and I am her uh, lighter-skinned child. And so kind of what I wanted to get into is just how that has shaped my experience and my thoughts around colorism and um, just kind of explore some of that, Um, but not really wanting to just, I don't want to center myself or talk about too much of what, you know, my life is like or whatever, because that's not really, I think, productive, Um, especially when we have so much harm that, you know, um, comes towards darker skin black people and how they tend to be more vulnerable in a lot of instances because of their darker skin and their, you know, the features that they have. It's like 
I, I just don't, I want to be careful with how I talk about this. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to keep it, uh, specific to just my own perceptions of things growing up the way that I did with a dark skin mother. Um, so growing up, I don't remember ever actually being told like, oh, you're light skin, so you're special. You're light skin, so you're pretty. That kind of stuff was not, you know, directly um, explained to me or told to me. The messaging that I received was probably a bit more indirect. I would grow up hearing things about, you know, not staying outside too long so you don't get black. Um, You know the way that people might talk about a baby um, that is of mixed race, um, the way that people talk about who they partner with, um, those types of things, you know, like I think that no one ever directly communicated any anything that anything special about me because of my skin color, but it was implied maybe through people's behaviors and um, the things that they may have said about themselves or others. Um, I think that the way that I grew up and perceived myself was largely influenced by the way that my mother grew up and perceived herself. And I say that because my mother was my biggest influence in my life. She's the one that raised me. I was not raised by my father. My father was pretty much not a part of my childhood upbringing um, when he was alive. I mean, he died, you know, when I was pretty young um, in my childhood, but before he passed, I mean, he, he really wasn't an influence in my life as much as my mother was. And I was directly impacted by not so much what my mother said to me, but her presence and the way that she carried herself and, and the stories that she would share with me about her own life experiences We are from the South, um, from Texas to be exact, and my mother was born in the 50s. My mother was a child of the 50s and the 60s, and so her upbringing was much different than mine for sure, but it, you know, obviously was very much centered around race and um, her experience you know, without a doubt, was very influenced by her being a darker skinned black girl. My mother also didn't come from means. Um, She grew up very poor. And so, you know, that also plays a part, I think, in her reality and her perception. Um, I'm trying not to speak for my mother, but I'm also trying to paint a picture of the woman that became my mother um, eventually, you know, in the 80s, right? Um, So I think that my mother's experience as being 
not just a dark-skinned black girl, right? Because I, I believe that there is not only blackness in your physical appearance and how you show up and how you present physically, but I but I also think that there is blackness in your lived experience. That there is a certain type of experience that is lived in our society that is very much perceived as black and it comes with certain implications. Um, and so I think that my mother's experience was very black um, in terms of, you know, having a lack of a variety of things, resources and access was denied her a lot in her life. And so, you know, I think that that only further sort of emphasizes the the look of her, the skin color that she has, because it's almost like we are programmed to believe that if you're black, you're supposed to struggle. You're supposed to, especially if you're like a black woman, oh my goodness, it's like you're supposed to have a hard life and um, you're supposed to, to you know, always be kind of fighting for just a little bit of something and um so yeah the way that my mother grew up she definitely didn't come from the the means that may have insulated her to some degree from you know her being a dark-skinned black girl you know I think that you know having uh grown up with a mother and a grandmother who were domestic workers. They worked in white folks' homes, cleaning and doing, you know, taking care of white people's families. Um, that's, those are the, those are the jobs that my, you know, mother's parents had working, you know, directly under white people. They weren't school teachers and things like that. And so, all of that, I think, influenced my mother's perception of herself. So, but it, there was never any, like, my mother has a way of being sort of a, more of a passive parent and sort of reactive to things versus proactive. And so, you know, like I said, her presence and just the obvious struggle of her childhood life colored a lot of my perception of her and therefore you know I internalized a lot of that I internalized a lot of what my mother must have gone through as a child um, in the south way back when and dealing with the oppression, the racism that she experienced, like I internalize a lot of that. And so even though I don't look the way that my mother looks exactly, I still feel like I carry some of that burden of being black and ostracized and rejected and, you know, all of the things that as, you know, we as black people experience, I feel like I have a lot of that inside of me and obviously because I'm black I'm gonna have that but I think that 
having a mother who whose experience uh of of you know racism and all of that you know was impacted in a certain way because of her darker skin I think that some of that has just kind of rubbed off on me um and so I don't know I think that because of um these perceptions I don't know that I've I was always aware of any type of privilege that I may have have carried because of having lighter skin. In fact, I know that I haven't always understood the idea of a light skin privilege. Um, it, it took me years to even think that there was anything about my life that was privileged. I mean, I've gone through some really harsh things in my life. Um, you know, abuse you know, neglect, abandonment, and these are just childhood experiences I'm, re- I'm referencing. Um, so growing up like, like that, you, it's very difficult to have someone say, oh, well, you're privileged because of your skin color, because I can only speak from my experiences and my experiences are not that of a person who I would perceive as privileged in it. So it took me a while to understand actually how that functions in our society and how privilege is not so much about your own personal experience but it is the sort of wider view of the society that we live in where your appearance and how you present can be the difference between someone denying you access to an education to health care to employment to love honestly like to relationships to romance I mean there's a lot of ways in which someone like myself might be able to navigate different areas of life you know much more easily than someone that's darker skin despite the struggles of my personal life right and so that's something that I had to differentiate and I had to understand it's like you know obviously people go through things and and struggle a lot but that doesn't remove privileges that you can leverage to gain access to things that other people don't have the ability to do I had to learn that I had to learn that as an adult I didn't know anything about that growing up I just thought hey I'm black I'm struggling I have a I'm being raised by a single mother um I don't have a father. I don't have, you know, other people that I can rely on. All I have is my mother. And, you know, we're, we are, we are firmly working class. You know, my mother was a working class single mom and she did her very best. And so with that kind of experience coloring my perception of my life, it was, it was, it took some time to, to kind of understand how, privilege functions um, in this society. I think um, that it definitely, once I came to the understanding of, you know, how light skin privilege uh, 
um, works. It definitely made me more aware of how I move through society and like just wanting to be one of those. I don't want to be one of those light skinned people who acts oblivious. You know, I don't want to be one of those light skinned people who acts like there is no privilege um, or that I may not, I may have, I may have played into, you know, some of the privileges that I possess and um, without realizing it. And, and so if, you know, wanting to just be more conscious of how I navigate, because I don't want to be someone who perpetuates colorism. I don't, I don't want to participate in that. And so that's why this topic is so important to me. Um, not because I have all the answers or that I even understand it, but just that, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's gotta be a discussion. It's gotta be a conversation because we're not going to be able to dismantle it unless we really confront it and address it. And so that's why I wanted to have a conversation about kind of, you know, my perception of it and all all of that. Um, I also kind of wanted to get into, you know, the thing about colorism is that as an offshoot of colorism, there's, I guess, what people are terming featureism. And so, you know, while I definitely fall into the category of a light-skinned Black woman, I think by most Black people's standards, um, I don't have the features though. Right. And so, um, I still have, you know, very kinky, coily hair, type four, tightly coiled, nappy, however you want to describe it, hair. I definitely have more of a prominent, you know, what people might consider a black nose, although all black people don't have, you know, big noses or whatever, but you know, I, I don't have, I'm not mixed race. I am light skinned. And I know that the two kind of get conflated at times, but, you know, and, and not to say that all mixed race people look the same either, but just to say that I don't have the look of what we tend to think of as a mixed race, biracial person of color. So, you know, there are certain areas and certain privileges that I don't possess because of the way that my hair grows out of my scalp and the way that my nose appears on my face and that kind of thing. And so all of that, you know, it's just a very complicated discussion because on the one hand, you can be light skinned, but not necessarily have the privilege of a light skinned person because of, you know, people think your nose and your lips are too big or your body is shaped in in a way that is just too black right or you know something like that but then you could be brown skin dark skin but because your hair texture is is looser looser curl pattern and you have more keen features then it's like oh well you're beautiful um and so these conversations are are nuanced they have there's a lot that plays into you know all of the, the ways in which we perceive things but all of it is rooted in white supremacy and 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 the beauty standards that have been set by white folks I mean that's just what it comes down to Uh, whether you're talking about colorism or pretty privilege all of it is rooted in 
white supremacy for sure. And so, um, you know, just want to be one of those people that tries to dismantle that, you know, you know, I would, you know, ask, you know, for, for us to start to really question ourselves. You know, one of the things that also comes up about when it, when we're talking about colorism is people want to say, oh, well, it's just a preference. It's just a preference. I just happen to like light-skinned black women, or I just happen to like white women, or I just happen to like, you know, women with a certain hair texture, or women with certain... And it's like, you know, if you're talking about these things as preferences, you need to question why you have these preferences. Why you would why you would entertain a preference of a certain hair texture or skin color. Because none of that is going to qualify someone to be a good partner to you. You know, what someone's hair looks like, what someone's skin color is, the size and shape of their nose, all of these things. Like, I get it, you know, you want to be with someone that you're attracted to, sure, fine. But if you in your life can only say that you're attracted to a very specific look, then you might want to question that and try to unpack where that comes from. Because a lot of times it's going to come from an internalized racism that a lot of us have, unfortunately. I mean, I certainly grew up, you know, hating the texture of my hair all of my life. Couldn't wait to be permed. And when I got my first relaxer as a seven-year-old child, I was happy. It didn't matter that the perm literally ate up my scalp, chewed up my hair. I had little scraggly little hair growing out of my scalp. You know, it didn't matter that my hair wasn't healthy. It was just the fact that it wasn't nappy anymore. Um, And so I had to grow up and deprogram myself out of thinking that way. And now I wear my hair natural and, you know, I'm a mother now. And so I have a daughter And I think, you know, the best way for me to sort of exemplify this idea of embracing black beauty and what it means to be, you know, proud of your blackness and celebrating the things that make us identifiably black. I have to live that and be that for my daughter. I can't just tell her. I can't just say, oh, you're black and you and beautiful and your, you know, your hair is beautiful and blah, 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 blah. And then proceed to, you know, relax or straighten my hair or only wear my hair, you know, in certain, you know, ways because I don't like the texture of my hair. I don't want to deal with the texture of my hair. Like I need to be able to exemplify that for her. I need to be able to stand up in the words that I am, am expressing to her about what it means to be black. And so, um, So, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this conversation because, like I said, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to be offensive, but it's just definitely something that, you know, I want to continue having a discussion about. I'm thinking that I might actually bring my mother on um, one day so that I can explore this topic with her um, specifically because, you know, One thing about our parents, our grandparents, our, you know, our our elders is that they didn't have time to unpack all of the things that now we get to sit around as 
millennials or Gen Xers. Um, I mean, not Gen X, uh, Gen Z and say, um, oh, you know, let me, you know, sit back and, and really think about all of these different issues that we have um, as black people or as a black woman or, you know, things like that. You know, our folks, our elders were just trying to survive. And so I don't know that my mother has even really ever thought about how colorism has impacted her life. And so I think it would be appropriate for me to like have a discussion with her um, about what she's gone through in her life. And, you know, if she has never done so, give her the opportunity now to think about some of the things that she's dealt with and experienced and how she felt. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I I have to share at the moment. Um, definitely going to try and get back on a regular schedule of recording. And so I hope to be back in another week with a new topic to explore. And yeah, um, I hope that this opens up a conversation with somebody out there and um, whoever might listen to this and um, that we can just really start to address some of our issues and concerns. But um, thanks for listening and I will see you next time.